So a question we want to explore is, is it necessary to hate evil in order to love good? Meaning, if I want to be a lover of the good, do I also need to be a hater of the bad? Or is there another solution? So with conversations like this, obviously, it's very important to try to gain clarity concerning that which the terms we are using uh, purportedly describe. Otherwise, we're going to bear in mind our implicit meanings. And so will the person that we are speaking to, the listener, uh, and and, uh, consequently, no clarity will be gained because words like good and bad and hate and love, how many interpretations there are for them, who knows? So we need to clarify what we mean in a given context by the terms uh, that we are using. So as it concerns good. Right? What do we mean by the, the term good? Um, and especially as it concerns a person being good. So we would say that we do not seem able to identify a, a potential meaning for the term good other than the meaning of some or another sort of desire. Meaning, if we are considering something and it meets none of our desires at all whatsoever, how can we say that it is good in relation to whom and in which way would it be good? So for example, let's say somebody offers us um, uh, chocolate ice cream with onions and garlic, right? And we do not find it appealing in any way whatsoever. It's one thing if somebody offered us money for it or uh, for a prank video, but there's no no uh, benefits like that at all. We find it absolutely disgusting. What would it mean to say that it's still somehow Good. At least, again, in the limited context that we are talking about, say that there has to be some desire that is met. But of course, every arbitrary contingent desire ultimately leads to a deeper and deeper desire until we we kind of bump up against the wall and we're kind of forced to say that ultimately uh, what is good is that which satisfies our innermost nature, our innermost tendency to be in a particular and move towards a particular direction uh, uh, of our uh, of our being to, to so say. And the things that we think up that, that are contingent, for example, chocolate versus vanilla ice cream, this job versus that job, going on vacation here versus there, are things that we calculate will give us the impression of meeting that innermost or satisfying or advancing the innermost nature of ours. So what about as it concerns a person? What's a good person and what's a bad person? So we'd say that, excuse me, typically we mean uh, that a good person is anybody that makes me feel good and, and that supports me, that says that I'm right, says that I'm a good person, brings me pleasure. That's a good person. Uh, and a bad person is anybody who's against me. But the problem is that what if I am not on the right side, right? Then uh, the chances are I will perceive the person that is on the right side to be a bad person. So, for example, let's say that I am uh, a big um, kind of uh, uh, robber and uh, I'm a highway robber and I hold up horses and carriages and, and, and steal all the stuff maybe some time ago, a couple hundred years ago and steal all the stuff, right? Now, this is my mode of life. I've already rewired myself to think of myself as a great person, as a righteous person. You know, maybe I'm, you know, these people don't deserve it anyway. They're rich. They're this and that. So now somebody tries to stop me. Well, they're a bad person. They're the enemy. And we see if a movie, for example, is done, maybe some Western movie from the perspective of the of the robber, of the highwayman or woman, right? And then the, the 
that law enforcement is perceived to be as evil, right? Oh, they're coming after me because we sympathize with the person. We see that where they came from and their story and consequently the other side is bad. So that's typically how we think of good and bad. But we would ask, is there a more sophisticated way here to, um, to, to think about it? And we would say that insofar as uh, what we mean by good is is the satisfaction of desire, but what we mean by really truly good is a genuine advancement of our nature, meaning a clicking up to so say our being and and bringing ourselves to new heights of of, uh, of humanity and 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 all of that. Uh, we would say that uh, a good person, quote unquote, is a sane person, is somebody that knows uh, how to really truly advance him or herself and really truly does it as opposed to simply doing the usual which is pursuing little bursts of stimulation and simulating uh, the the true meaning of our desires meaning even if i have absolutely no cognitive emotional uh intellectual if it's not the same thing as cognitive tools to uh, advance myself i still have my nature i still have the the demands and the desires courtesy of my nature so how do i go about satisfying it well there's many many ways that i can do so that are illusory in short term whether i turn to substances or i turn to distractions or i turn to gambling or i just try to forget about my existence entirely and, and just go for a little burst of pleasure here and there. there's many different ways but uh, we would say that what unifies them is that it's animal mode of life meaning i'm not really truly advancing myself i'm not really truly moving ahead in in my being in my innermost existence i'm just creating the impression the temporary the impression that i am right i have a few drinks now i feel like myself i watch a fun video and or movie now i feel like myself but it's always back to the status quo where i simply have that that base degree of of, of animal being so we would say that that might be a better way to think about a quote-unquote good person and quote-unquote bad person because the fact of the matter is that the innermost nature is always the same and the biggest saintliest saintly individual and the biggest monster the nature is the same it's just finding its expression in a different way meaning to restate it uh, one easy way to state it is that it's only possible to do things for motives, and the motives have to be in themselves positive. For example, I want to feel a little bit of pleasure, a little bit of pride, a little bit of power, a little bit of self-esteem, or dignity, or freedom, right? So the motive itself is always, always positive, but what the motive is in regard to depends on who I am. It depends on my level of humanity, on my level of development. If I remain in the animal state of being, then... What I, my, those positive motives compel me to do animal things, which might not be so bad. For example, I want to feel good, so I eat a few scoops of uh, ice cream. Or it might be very bad. For example, I want to feel good, and I go and leave a very nasty comment online. But why did I leave the very nasty comment online on somebody's social media or something like this? Is it because my nature is fundamentally different than somebody else's nature? I did it for a motive that was other than good. Say, there's no way to make that argument. And the, uh, the correct answer would be that uh, the motive was positive. I want to feel good. I want to feel powerful. I want to feel in control. I want to uh, kind of compensate for a perceived suppression of my uh, autonomy, of my being. But being the way that I am and having the tools at, at my disposal on my moral and ethical and human level, this is what appealed to me. This is what seemed good. So, excuse me. The nature is the same, but the, the outcome is different based on who I am. All right? So with these kind of uh, perhaps more sophisticated views of, of what it means to be a good and bad person, 
uh, we would say that as it concerns the, the viewing of our own behavior and the viewing of other people's behavior, there's two big ways that we can view it. One is simply the external and we can judge or try to judge as to whether or not a given course of action will lead a person closer or farther away from any kind of true advancement and any kind of true human development, which is the only real way to get what we want, aside from the short-term animal ways. So, for example, if a person is uh, addicted to gambling, we can judge uh, objectively that this is a mode of life that will not lead a person closer to becoming who he or she in theory could be and who in, in the deepest way, we're not going to say the person wants to be, but would have to be in order to be the the way that that uh, we want to be. So we we can judge that that's not the way to go, and that's why we say we we hate it to so say, meaning we recognize it for what it is. This will not lead you being addicted to this mode of life. Will not lead you in the right direction. Simultaneously, we recognize that the underlying motive is the same. This is the person's way of coping with their nature and with reality as they perceive it. So the nature is the same, but it's expressed in a way that will ultimately collapse in on itself unless there's some kind of change or unless it's stopped. Conversely, if a person is addicted to, to so say, something positive like helping people, like uh, working on his or her mind uh, and, and doing good things, then and say that those are things that may lead a person and hopefully will lead a person closer to her to excuse me to who he or she necessarily wants to be. So there, it's not a clash because we don't need to have dissonance, right? The uh, cognitive dissonance, like I, I don't understand this. It's a good externally and good internally. So uh, we ask the question: Is it necessary to hate evil in order to? Uh, to, to love the good. So we can also try to define evil. So one temptation is to say, evil doesn't exist. I don't believe in evil. But the problem is, using some basic logical uh, uh, techniques, we can ask a, a person then, what is it that evil is referring to? What are you denying the existence of? Because when we say that X doesn't exist, we have to refer to X in order to deny its existence. For example, when we say, it is not raining right now outside. We're referring to something real, rain. We can conceive of what it would be like for it to rain. Then we can step outside and we can note a difference between the condition, the weather condition outside and what we're conceiving uh, in relation to the term rain. And that dual positive statement, the variation, meaning it's nice and sunny out and I'm thinking of rain in my head. The sun is different than rain. That's what we mean by it is not now raining. Right? Even if we say something, there is no such thing as a, uh, a, a unicorn. Right? The term unicorn has to refer to something real, such as a conception in our mind of a horse with a horn. So we refer to that conception, which certainly does exist in each and every way that it exists with the term unicorn. And then we can note that this is a conception that is different than every animal that I, that I can see with my eyes. And I consequently say the unicorn does not exist, but it does exist in my head. That's what we mean. So if we're going to say that quote unquote evil doesn't exist, it must mean that we're referring to something and then we're denying that we're finding it in a given place. For example, in this room with these people, evil doesn't exist, but evil then does have to exist. So we can't just deny point blank. Oh, evil doesn't exist. So we have to define it. So what can we mean by evil? Here we can introduce another uh, dimension 
the things that, and that is that uh, uh, when we're born, uh, we're born entirely selfish and contracted without any awareness of any other interests or any other existences aside from our desires. So not even that we have a sense of self as in I am hungry, the baby for the baby, right? I am thirsty. It's just there is hunger and there is thirst and there is warmth and there is cold and there's a certain disposition toward uh, if that's the right word, that feeling. And that's all that there is. There's no other people. There's no There's no nothing. Never mind is there time and space and history and humanity and all these things. So the proper process of maturation, which also, like we said, include, is, is falls under the, the, the heading of, of sanity and humanity and, and, and truly advancing ourselves, includes overcoming that selfishness, building up an objective sense of individuality, meaning my unique interpretation of truth and not simply psychological, physiological things and uh, expanding that sense of self to where it's broader and broader as time goes on. For example, I have no idea about anything when I'm a baby, when I'm a little kid, maybe I care at least about my the stuffed animal. That's already a slight expansion of interest. But hopefully when I grow up, I'm caring about my family. I'm caring about my kids. I'm caring about my community. And hopefully that circle of interest is always expanding. And where then uh, the key thing is obviously where it's not referring ultimately back to my animality, to my vanity. Where And that's where real self-sacrifice and real nullification of self is required. Meaning if I only love my kids or love my spouse because I love myself and my spouse and my kids make me feel a certain type of way, I haven't really expanded myself. I haven't really reduced my selfishness. That's the kind of love that anybody is is that uh, is capable of at virtually any stage of development. Not any, but, but, but most. Here the key would be, I love my kids and I love my spouse for their own sake, not be- how they reflect on me, right? Not in the way that I love ice cream. Not that I love ice cream. I wouldn't eat it then, right? I would make it... Uh, I would put it in my room and read to it every day and pet it or whatnot if I loved the ice cream. I love how it makes me feel. I love the feeling. And ice cream is just helping me to get that feeling. So that kind of love does not help us reduce our selfishness. I love uh, ice cream. I love fast food. I love this person. I love that person. We need the kind of love that comes from self-nullification and and, and truly conceiving of the existence of somebody other than our own self or some other interest or some other ideal or idea aside from our own self, right? That's why we consider people heroes that die for an ideal like liberty or freedom because the person presumably, in theory, ideally, put that above themselves. I want to, to live and to enjoy myself and to eat ice cream perhaps and to rest and relax and do this and that. But here's a high ideal that demanded my sacrifice, the service of my nation or the service of, of this idea. And consequently, I throw my whole life just to serve this ideal. That's heroism because we're sacrificing. If we don't sacrifice, this idea is pandering to my vanity and I can feel great by standing behind it. That's not what we're talking about. Right? But anyhow, we would say that ideally we're expanding that, that um, sense of self. We're reducing that selfishness. And consequently, what appeals uh, or appears, excuse me, good to us is something that uh, is in service of more interest than strictly and merely our own and our own desires. Having said that, it is possible to remain in an extremely uber-contracted state of being where, we, uh, where, where we're entirely sunk into ourselves. We have not expanded 
beyond the, the, the selfishness, perhaps, of a one-year-old, of a two-year-old, of a three-year-old, whatever the case might be, and further, obviously, to be in the world for one moment with that degree of selfishness, we have to really, really skew things psychologically and mentally and really create a nice big stew of, uh, of, of nonsense in our head to be able to get by, right? Because what's the reality? The reality is we're like a worm in that way, psychologically and physically. We're, we're less than a worm in the face of all the things that there are, in the face of all the people and all of history and all of time. And now we're stuck with that tiny little bit of selfishness and vanity against the whole universe, against everything that there ever was, is, or will be. So we can imagine that. That would be an absolutely, obviously, intolerable state if we could really, truly face it. So that consequently, the person really becomes corrupt, really becomes skewed and every twisted and all of that to be able to accommodate that degree of selfishness. And now, now, the person acts positively in that context. Now, whatever is good is what appeals to the person in that context. And we might imagine that the things that appeal to a person in that context are horrific, potentially horrible, awful. And that's where we see that uh, those people that do uh, regrettably horrible, horrible things, that would be a way to think about their condition. There's nothing and nobody except my narrow desires that, that are specifically pandered to this twisted, corrupted, tiny, 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 selfish little sense of being. And, and we can imagine that. It's not funny, but we can imagine that the things, again, that appeal then are awful. So that would be the idea. And that's what we can call evil. It's a super duper uh, kind of corrupted state of being. So is it necessary to hate evil in order to love good? So here again, it, from one perspective, we might say yes. And, and we would say that if it's very suspect if we don't go through a phase of hating evil because that's, that's it's a perfectly natural and normal thing. We And first of all, we, all of us, it's not black and white. We have the same elements and the same selfishness and the same corruption that we see so blatantly on display in certain extreme cases. We have that in us as well. And it's very difficult to face and we project it outward and consequently we uh, kind of help identify ourselves as something different than that when we hate it, right? Ah, I hate that and that's not me, right? So that's a valuable phase to go through. But ultimately, we can recognize the ultimate undesirability and wretchedness and horrific states of being that it is possible to be in while acknowledging that even then, as painful as it is to acknowledge it's the same nature and it's the same fundamental thing that, that is, exists by the way of us, exists by the way of the worst cases that we can ever imagine. So here we would say that it, in this way, it's not necessary to hate as in project onto this these kinds of states, meaning I don't acknowledge anything in myself and consequently I hate it in somebody else and not in myself. I can acknowledge that the outlines of even the worst things possible in myself, I can also acknowledge that though even the worst possible conditions stem from the very same nature that I have and that everybody else has. And I can also acknowledge that it's not, not nothing that anybody wants. It doesn't mean, oh, okay, so now th that's great. So now everybody go, excuse me, and be like this uh, person that we call evil. No, right? We have to have a little bit of maturity and sophistication of thought. We can acknowledge that a person has the same nature we're not projecting onto that person, and yet 
the, the person's inner being is, is wretchedness incarnate and nothing that we would ever want for, for him or her or for ourselves or for anybody else for even a moment. And then we can objectively, without emotion, think, what is it that it is possible to do with evil in the world? Is it possible to, in a given instance, alleviate it? Okay, then, then that's what we try to do. Is it not possible? And is it the, the destruction to be had too much? Then we try to destroy it. Also, it, it can be an option. It all depends on the circumstance. But as long as we're not, uh, we're thinking clearly, we're not projecting, we're not uh, thinking, uh, uh, again, emotionally, in light of our own selfishness and self-interest, hopefully we can... Get a grip on these kinds of things. So that's the idea, or these are some, shall we say, some ideas uh, as to how to think about this very complicated question. Is it necessary to hate good? Or is it necessary to hate evil in order to love good? We would say, uh, well, we, we don't want to repeat the whole discussion. We get the point, and hopefully that gives us something to think about. Thank you for listening.